Welcome to All Things in the Name of Love. If you like this show, please like, subscribe, and share. Thanks. Welcome to another episode of All Things in the Name of Love. And today I have with me somebody who I'm really already feeling like, oh, we're going to have a great conversation. Gail Barron, right? Yes, thank you. She and I met recently, and she is... Um, Another one who was very sensitive and had a very interesting journey of um, stepping into that awareness of energy sensitivities. And I've been wanting to have a conversation like this for a long time. So um, I want to start off with what was that journey to having that awareness like first? Well, well, first, thank you for inviting me. I'm excited to take part in this conversation. So I started out uh, very woo-phobic. So I I started out as a left-brained logical engineer and was that way until my 30s when something happened that changed my mind. But until, and I was agnostic and everything was material. The only reality was material reality. And, but when I, later when on my own personal healing journey, I realized I had been really sensitive as a child, but there was no support for that. And, mm -hmm. you know, you pick up things, you ask, like any child will ask a parent for confirmation, you know, and if it's something they don't want you to know, they'll deny it, right? So mm -hmm. you're not, get, you're innocently asking, you know, right. and the, you know, and they don't want, so they'll tell you you're making that up or nah, you know, that's not true. And so you basically you don't have any confirmation or validation right. of it. And and I, I was also picking up a lot of emotional energy as a child, and it was just too comfortable, uncomfortable, yeah. especially especially as I reached my teen years, you know, mm -hmm. everything's heightened, right, through puberty and that sort of thing. And then, you know, you become aware of other people's sexual energy, and, you know, it can get creepy. And, uh, and so I shut it off. I don't know how I knew how to shut it off. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, I know right? Exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> I mean, it was it was actually I I remember taking Midol, which is a cramp formula, right, to to shut it off. Wow. Uh, I I don't know. I just took anything because I didn't know as a teenager. What did I know? Right. And you could, I couldn't talk about it to anybody. Right. And so I um I just you know. I hated sensing all this stuff, but I didn't didn't know what to do. And so mm -hmm. I ended up somehow, through sheer willpower, I guess, I shut it off. And uh and you know, because I didn't know if I was going nuts, if I was making it up or whatever, but it was darn uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And you know, when people talk about expressions like undressing you with their eyes, well, they're doing it energetically and you can feel it, right? So mm -hmm. um if you're sensitive, you can certainly feel it. Um, but you can't really name it because they'll say, I wasn't doing anything, you know? Right. So it's, it's a, and tricky waters to navigate. Yeah. And, uh, and so I shut it off and then I became completely denying the energy world and all of that stuff saying, nah, it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't measure it or that. I'm just, I, I was just, you know, it was, maybe it was my period affecting my hormones or whatever, you know, all of that silliness. So uh, I was, I became, instead, I went scientific route and became an engineer, very practical, down mm -hmm. to earth, right? Incredibly and, practical. Uh, like my dad. And um, and uh, a part of that was also trying to, I think, prove that I was as good as any boy, because that there was there was some 
in the 50s, there was definitely a, a preference for males Oh yeah, in the 1950s, right? When I was especially born, I was with born engineers. in the 50s. Yeah, well, before even before that, I picked that up as a child. I had a brother, and he he was definitely favored. You know, my mom loved me too, but you could see that there was a big difference in Yeah. the degree of her affection. Mm hmm. Uh, her affection towards me was a little bit more forgetful. <laughs> Let's put it that way, unless I asked for it, kind of thing. Whereas Right. he was able to get her instant attention. So you pick stuff that that up as a child, and and of course you name it as a child. And you're told, no, no, I love you both equally. And so what are you to make of that, right? Right. And so uh, that was the early part of my history, which I then blocked out. Uh, went completely the uh, unsensitive. Anybody who knew me as an adult would have thought I was completely insensitive. And so they would have thought that I was basically uh, socially inadept. That sort of, and I was, I really had no clue how to handle this, right? Right, So right. I was, I, I sometimes wonder if I was behaving a, a bit Asperger's or something like that, you know, because they often are clueless when it comes to social cues. And that Right. may be that they're doing the same thing for all we Yeah. know, right? Because they, it's an aspect of autism and autism is a hypersensitive state. So it's quite possible that People with Asperger's have made at some point in their life some decision to shut off their awareness, and Mm -hmm. then Yeah. they're left without any clues, you know. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, I, I had a, not career wise, although I did work in an engineering firm, <clears throat> I was very sensitive. And then at 10, I got overwhelmed with sensitivities when my grandfather died and I shut down intentionally because it was like, I had, you know, I'm, feelings, spirits, I'm astral traveling, I'm doing all the things. My grandfather sat on my bed for three days after he died to let me know he was okay. And I'm grateful for that. Nobody knew what to say to me. Yeah. And I'm like, am I crazy? Because there's insanity in my family, like, even though the insanity is actually like them dealing with their sensitivities and not having Yeah. this. So, Yeah. so I was just like, I got to shut this down because I don't want to be institutionalized, even though there was nothing wrong with me. I just didn't have anyone to relate with. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that is a problem. So, but good for you for using your free will. You know, and at, the, at that time, it made sense to do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. And, you know, if I look back in my history as a, a child, I did what I had to do Mm hmm. to to come through. Yeah. You know, you protect your mind and you protect your consciousness and all like that was overwhelming. So I had to narrow it down to what I could handle. And um, it wasn't until I was in my 30s that I finally opened again. And I was basically forced to <laughs> because I had... I had become very, you know, as it left brain logical, everything nice and orderly in my mind, you know, I had, I had a boyfriend, we were living together, we'd been together four years, uh, we'd started looking to buy a house together, we were talking about building a family and all of that stuff, engineers speak, building a family, <laughs> but we'd been, you know, looking at a house, and so in my neat ordered mind, I had this future ahead of me unfolding all nicely plotted out you know house in the suburbs the 2.5 kids and the dog and the whole thing and uh and and the man I loved and and that was that vision and a nice ordered life was rudely awakened when I discovered that my partner who was living with me um was cheating on me and so it's like 
when we broke up, it was like I'd lost the love of my life mm-hmm. and my future, all of it. It's as if there was an earthquake had opened up and my future fell in yeah. to the abyss. And and I I just went into this spiral of such despair. And and also, you know, maybe I had some clues, but I was clueless. So the clues were that he started criticizing me a lot and nitpicking. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the days before I found out. So I guess maybe he was feeling guilty and that was his way of compensating to make it my fault sort of thing. But I didn't know what was going on. I just knew that I couldn't seem to do anything right. Mm. And um, it seemed like even how I breathed irritated him. So it was like, I'm not going to stop that, you know. (laughs) But uh, but, uh, so I was, despite the clues, I didn't catch on. And so when it finally I finally found out I was devastated and um, it was only after the fact that I recalled the clues. And so I went into this, so I, it was my apartment. So I made him leave and then, um, and then I dealt with the aftermath, which was, I I just went into deep emotional uh, despair Mm -hmm. and a feeling of huge grief and loss at my whole future falling away. Also, that I could have been deceived by somebody I loved and trusted. Yeah. It was huge, right? The, the the huge sense of betrayal and can I trust anyone? And can I even trust my my own awareness? You know, is it even accurate? Mm-hmm. And uh, so all of that happened. And then along with that, a lot of self-loathing thoughts, you know, like you're a loser, you'll never find love, blah, 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 you know, all partly from the, you know, the, the the record of criticism that I I was getting, I internalized it and mm-hmm. ended up going, and with every thought, negative thought, I spiraled deeper, and mm-hmm. eventually mm-hmm. I it feels like it felt like eventually I I fell into the abyss myself, and it's like I what I eventually splatted on the bottom, so it was mm-hmm. like just sobbing my eyes out, and, you know, pouring my heart out, and then feeling completely bereft and hopeless, and and I remember saying. You know, because this voice, it was the ego, was saying, "You'll know, you know, you you don't deserve love. You're not lovable. Blah blah blah. You're you're a loser. All that stuff." Yeah. And 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 it was like I'd lost my one chance at love, and that that if I can't have love, why live? Oh, so that's how far I. That's what I mean by splatted on the yeah. bottom. It's like you say, "I'm done." And I was think, you know, so in that sheer misery, as I was feeling that it was, I was going to end my life and feeling that I could never have love. I suddenly had this experience. These words rang out in my head, but I love you. Accompanied by this rush of goldeny pink energy pouring down through my crown. And I knew nothing about energy, but this is what I experienced all the way through my whole body, right into every cell. Tingling love. It was the most beautiful, infinite love. I'd never experienced anything like that in, in my life, not even from my parents. It was just way bigger. And and that it saw me. That was the part that blew my mind was this vast intelligence or whatever it was actually knew me and it knew every aspect of my being and it knew every flaw and fault and loved me anyway. In fact, my flaws I discovered were actually loved because they're just places of becoming 
they're under construction they're mm-hmm. future future qualities that aren't there yet right. right and so it was like such a loving and and embracing and forgiving and compassionate energy and i went into this exp- and i knew nothing about other altered states I, I, right. I went into this expanded state where it was like i was being carried into the cosmos and basically seeing things from that perspective and i realized oh my god this is the truth this is the reality and it's true for all of us it's i'm not being singled out for special favors i mean it answered my agony you know obviously it was a in my faulty belief that i could never have love it it definitely proved me wrong And, uh, and uh and i you know so I didn't know what to make of this. My, my neat little ordered engineer mind hadn't a clue what to do with this. I had, it right. didn't, I had no frame of reference for it, right? Mm-hmm. It, was non, it was a non-physical experience, but it was so real. I felt it right into every cell that I, and I didn't want it. If it hadn't, if it just been words, I could have dismissed it, right? But because it was a company with such tangible energy, uh, a tangible experience in the body, as well as in my my heart and my field, but I didn't know anything about those at that time. Right. I had to. I had to know what this was. That that's like I need to investigate. I'm sure there's a scientific explanation, but mm-hmm. but you know. Uh, so that was what triggered suddenly going from skeptical left brain logical engineer only the material reality exists to suddenly whoa, this is real and it's nothing I ever heard of, and it's vast. And so began my education in spirit. You know, I found myself being nudged in certain directions. And first of all, because of my background as an engineer, I needed to understand intellectually. And I I didn't know where to start. So, but I had heard of near-death experiences. And so I thought, well, maybe I'll read books on that. Because this is yeah. way before way before the internet, right? Right, so right. Books it was. That was all yeah. we had. And uh, so I started reading those, and that led me to um, stories of, uh, so, which it actually resonated quite well with, with my experience, uh, and but it also led to other books on people who, past life regression, people who had actually been regressed to infancy, mm-hmm. but were regressed too far, and so they, they actually remembered waiting to be born, so oh. in these, these sort of bardo states, and so no, I'm like, whoa, what's this? And then yeah. that to this sense of, oh, we are not limited to one life. We actually right. are are eternal and we actually dip in and out of physical reality to learn things and mm-hmm. to develop ourselves. And yeah. so little did I know later on, uh, years later, I would actually become a past life therapist. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that through training for that. I'm not going to go through the because it's a long story. I right, right, right. So I'm not going to cover all that, but I could tell you I was led guidance, you know, little synchronicity based synchronicity, and because of my open state, I said yes mm-hmm. to the opportunities that were coming to me, and uh, and so when I was training to be a past life therapist, I met somebody who was a Barbara Brennan student, mm-hmm. a student of the Barbara Brennan School of Healing, and uh, we were. Uh, doing an intensive where all all the students were practicing on each other past life regression, so you get pretty intimate oh, cool. in that yeah. in that work, right? And uh, and I had sort of befriended uh, 
one of the guys studying there, we were hitting it off in flirting. We weren't doing anything else, but there was a nice comfy vibe and, and that sort of thing. Anyway, he ended up uh, doing a session with me and uh, in that session, it turned out he was in that life too. And he didn't oh, like wow. what happened in that. <laughs> so after that session, he it's like he shut off all contact. And, uh, <laughs> and, and afterwards, I, I, I felt like I had this huge hole in my solar plexus. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I, there was nothing physically wrong with me, but it felt like I had this gaping, like a cannonball had gone through and that I was leak, leaking energy there. And, wow. And so I asked this girl who was a student at Barbara Brennan School and said, do you see anything? Because this is what I'm experiencing. She said, yeah, you do have a big hole in your solar plexus. Wow. And she said that, and this is all new to me. She said that people create cords in relationship. It's natural. It's all the subtle communication that goes on between people is happening through our energy cords. Mm -hmm. And it starts with birth with our parents, right? So we're, we're corded with everyone that we know well. And in, in, you know, in short-term relationships, it's often just a streamer, you know, like it's a temporary mm -hmm. connection. But when we start forming a relationship, we create these more solid energy tubes, if you like, between mm -hmm. our chakras. And what can happen is if a, a relationship ends abruptly, you know, in anger or whatever, one of the parties can pull their cords out of you and it can tear your field. Mm. So when they rip it out, it tears your your chakra and your field and energy is leaking out. So she sh told me that, which was all new to me. I had no yeah. idea, but I, I knew it hurt. And I was really shocked that something so subtle as energy could actually create physical pain. Mm -hmm. And um, and so she said, would you like me to fix that for you? I said, yes, please. And so she waved her hands around and just doing all kinds of stuff with her fingers. And within a few seconds, the pain was gone. And she said, all done. I, was like, I love <laughs> that. What? I love what? that. And she said, so then I was curious. So what, tell me yeah. more about this school that you yeah. studied. At, right? and, and so uh, and she, I liked that Barbara Brennan was a scientist, um, a NASA scientist. She was a physicist. And cool. but from childhood, she had the ability to see beyond the normal range of human vision. Mm -hmm. So she could actually see higher frequencies and she could see the field. Oh, she that's could, cool. Yeah. And she could see the auras around trees and plants and animals and people. But she had because nobody confirmed it when she was little, she bypassed it and went into science and ended up being this physicist. And it was as a result of a traumatic relationship breakup that she had a, a, an abusive marriage that she ended up being in therapy to uh, heal her wounds, her emotional wounds yeah. and that sort of thing. And while she was, in, she was in group therapy, when she was, she began to see feet, the auras around the other participants cool. in the session. So that, you know, it started coming back. And mm -hmm. when that happened, she, um, she became curious what's the scientific basics basis for now that oh, yeah. i'm a scientist right yeah. so she she wrote an amazing book of her what she discovered and and she the more she used her ability the better it got the stronger mm -hmm. it got and she eventually learned uh studied with a couple other people and learned how to heal 
And because she could see energy so clearly, she could actually see exactly where a block was and she could actually see her oh. energy head going in there, removing it, repairing it. And, and she could even see diseases before they manifested, oh, right? Wow. She could see the, the, the pattern forming. Mm -hmm. And uh, so she wrote about all this, for all her experiences. She wrote about all this in her book, Hands of Light, which she published in, I think, 1985. Mm. And it became a bestseller an international bestseller, and it, it is now considered a classic in the uh, classic textbook, basically, in the mm -hmm. field of energy work. Mm -hmm. And it was translated in multiple languages. And suddenly she was getting all these requests for healings from all over the world. Oh, yeah. She couldn't handle it. <laughs> uh, so she thought, okay, I'm going to have to teach this. I yeah. need to teach some to healers so that was the beginning of her school which started with like 20 20 people in her living room kind of thing and i love it and when i went so i went that next year as soon mm -hmm. as i discovered about this i uh went the next year when i went there were 800 students wow attending from all over the world that's beautiful so it was amazing yeah so you can imagine what what it was like to be in meditation with 800 students and this incredibly powerful healer yeah and she trained a, a host of teachers. So I think she had like 80 teachers on staff. So she had made a big school out of this. That's awesome. And it was spread over four years. So it's not a not a weekend certificate okay. thing. This is this is a major, uh, it's like going to university, a major four-year okay. program uh, because she wanted to create healers of integrity. Mm. And that meant we had to see our, we had to look at our own stuff. We couldn't just wave our hands over people and that was it, you're done. We had to actually, we actually had to be able to provide safety for people. If we were exploring trauma yeah. in their field, uh, you can re-traumatize them if you're not helping them through it, right? Mm -hmm. And that's one of the dangers if, if something opens spontaneously in, say, a Reiki session, like somebody who's got Reiki one, for example, has no training whatsoever on how to support somebody. Mm -hmm. All they know is hand positions. Right. And so, and I, I studied Reiki as well. So in my, in my journey, and um, so I'm talking from my own, what I experienced. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we learned way more about that. We learned about how the psyche develops in mm -hmm. childhood and, you know, the stages we go through, how our field develops how our, our chakras start out like little tiny teacups and then they eventually grow into the big funnels that that they are as adults. And mm -hmm. so, and we learned the skills to rebuild and restructure the field. And the people have asked me, what's the difference between Reiki and Brennan healing science? And I use this analogy. If if Reiki's a, Reiki's like a head massage. Okay. And Brennan healing science is brain surgery. So that's that it's far more intense and intricate and okay. uh and deliberate. So you're actually working specifically with what what's broken in the field. Mm. And you're also working on the emotional level and spiritual level with what the and beliefs, the level of what's behind it. It's mm -hmm. not just about fixing a block, it's about what's what's that block represent? It's there for a reason. Mm -hmm. And most people don't realize an energy block doesn't just happen to you. Right. <laughs> you, you put it there. We put it there because we needed to. Yeah. You know, like we did as children, right? We, we blocked our, our, our awareness because we, we couldn't cope with it. Right. It's not intended to be permanent, but it's meant to give us a breather 
-hmm. until we're ready to deal with it. And that's one of the beautiful beauties of working with adults later on. So I'm, I'm dealing with childhood trauma, some of it horrific, yeah. but uh, they never, you know, it went underground because they never dealt with it. They, they right. avoided going there just like in our conversation if somebody wants to talk about something that you don't want to know about or talk about, you say, I'm not going there. Literally our energy won't go there. Wherever right. we hold those memories, we'll bypass it. Right. And so when, after, you know, decades, it, it can lead to physical illness, you know, mm -hmm. because the cells aren't being nourished. They're, right. they're, they're getting some nourishment or you, you know, it, be dead but but the the tissues aren't divide you know the cells are dividing right. as often the tissues weaken they're not as strong and they're more susceptible mm -hmm. to illness mm -hmm. or injury and uh and so when they come to see me uh with a physical problem the location of the block to me is like a big red x saying dig here for buried treasure because there's a part of them, part of their own self that they locked off in there, mm -hmm. that they walled off. And that that's the gift of yeah. dealing with dealing with your your blocks is first of all, you get to heal the physical symptoms. And secondly, you get more of yourself back. Right. Uh, often a precious part of our childhood that mm -hmm. uh, and in, in our case, sensitivity and, and other things. And so the the beauty is that they come to me as an adult they are now equipped to deal with it mm -hmm. when they couldn't as a child right they've had life experience now they know the things the conclusions we draw as a child right uh we often will draw conclusions about the world and what's what's true and and also about ourselves and our worth and all that which based on child logic there it's not based on any experience we're it's often four or five what do we know Right. But, you know, we draw these conclusions that, you know, maybe we're not worthy, you know, or whatever. And uh, and then that's such a painful thought that we bury it, but it's affecting us. Doesn't oh, it? yeah. I, I, I recently came across a very fascinating jigsaw puzzle of uh, many things happening between 10 and 11. And I'd never seen the mosaic before. And then I tuned into... The, the the choices I made, which made absolutely no sense to the adult me, but looking at me as a 10, 11 year old made complete sense. Yeah. And it was absolutely so fascinating because like the child logic isn't logic. No, no. And, and it's, and it's, nobody's helping it. Nobody talks, right. nobody talks about energy or any of this stuff. Nobody's helping them through it. And so they're doing mm -hmm. the best they can. Right. And mostly it's to shut off anything they can't handle, right. you know? And, and so now you come to a healer, you know, in your forties or whatever, and with some physical problem and, and, uh, and now you're equipped. Now you've got adult knowledge and understanding. And you realize when you finally touch in, to that childhood memory, because as a healer, you can charge the field and bring bring it into awareness, right? Mm -hmm. Then, uh, and then they say, "Oh yeah, a memory's coming up when I was five, cool. and uh, and I thought I was responsible for my parents' divorce because I didn't clean my room." Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the yeah. mother had yelled at the the kid, the let's say little Timmy. She yelled at him because he had, after umpteen requests, he hadn't cleaned his room. And then she was in a bad mood. And then her 
husband comes home from work and she yells at him. And next thing you know, they're in a, a giant fight. Of course, there were other things going on. That really, oh, yeah. Little, little Timmy didn't know that. And right. uh, and he thinks it's his fault that she yelled at his dad. And then, then they divorce. And then he loses, you know, he, he has to pick between one or both parents. And 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 he in his heart where he held that awful sense of regret and remorse and all that. He was five. What did he know? Right, right. He carries it into adulthood. Now he's 50 and he's got heart problems. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's coming in to get some help with that. And then we we explore that and that memory comes up. And he yeah. says, oh, my God, it wasn't my fault. What was the, I didn't right. know, but I, it was such an awful thought that I had to bury it. Yeah. I couldn't handle it, right? So now the truth, just through his adult awareness, he sees the truth for himself. And he says, oh, you know, and it's like this huge wave of compassion for his little self, right? And mm. then, and I say, do you still want to keep that belief? <laughs> he says, right. no, I think we can let that one go. Right. And so then, then we can clear it out of the field and it goes without any trouble. And uh, and then the body heals quite naturally because now it's getting fresh energy and right. uh, and the cells respond. I love that. I love that because like I, I do body talk. So I help animals with body talk and oh. I love the shifts in like how it, a, it comes through. Cause that's how they, they communicate with me through consciousness. And I just write down the formulas for them. Can't read my writing. Um, <laughs> and then the animals heal. And it's, it's like so beautiful to, to like have the awareness of the energies and like the more I am sensitive with myself, the more sensitive I am with so many other things and i have um i have trees talk to me i have boulders talk to me and everybody has this ability yeah and it's not it's not a conversation it's just like awareness of the energy fields yeah and so here's something that's coming in that i want to talk with you about that's called energetic awareness so i had um someone in my life that was a very intense relationship for a year and a half. It was not, it it wasn't physically intimate, but it was a very emotionally intimate relationship. We eye gazed, we embraced each other regularly. And then there was a break off and I processed. And then this person came back into my life every four months for like a year. I'm like, okay, but you just broke. So like, you know, heal the wound, break it open, heal the wound, break it open, heal the wound, break it open. The last time it happened, um, this person was talking about how cool it was to eye gaze, which is a very deep energetic bond. Like even to me, even more intimate than sex. We had really deeply eye gazed multiple times and I'd never done that with anyone before. So I didn't really understand the power of it. Well, he was stressed about seeing me. I had a physical response to the stress he had about me manifest in my body twice. Mm -hmm. And I had this awareness like, oh my gosh, this is a bond that I thought we were complete with, but we're not completely. So I had to do some intense energetic healing to completely cut that response off. And like 
I never thought of that level of awareness and responsibility before, like how, when we have those bonds, if the relationship's complete, what we need to do to clear it. And then as we show up in the world, like how am I connecting with, like I intentionally like go into my heart when I have interviews because I wanna have a really heart to heart conversation. Can you talk about that a bit? Because I think it's a really fascinating area that nobody really knows about. Yeah, absolutely. Especially for people who are highly, highly sensitive, it's really important to know when to disengage. So uh, it's okay to merge temporarily, but uh, you don't want to be walking around with them in your head you know? <laughs> because mm -hmm. it's hard to tell what's yours and what's theirs when that's happening, right? And so, especially as a healer, mm -hmm. so um, maybe you're okay working with animals, but with working with people, you That's know, there people, there's some pretty, pretty wounded people that come yeah. in. They're one, wonderful people, but they're wounded. And so right. uh, they're dealing, they're in progress. They're, they're healing, they're mm -hmm. working through stuff. And, and you have to go to some pretty scary places with them. Mm -hmm. uh, and you don't want to carry that around with you. Mm -hmm. um, it's at first. So as part of the, sort of container that I create as a healer, you know, when the session is over, I hand them back over to their own higher self and guidance and I place mm -hmm. them in God's loving hands to take it for the yeah. next step. And then I, with respect, disengage energetically from mm -hmm. them. So I, I um, think of it as kind of like a energy streamer going mm -hmm. to them wherever I've connected to them. If it's just a, a short-term thing, it's probably not a cord. It's more more of a, a streamer. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I, I just consciously disconnect from them, stop you know, stop the energy flow to them. Mm -hmm. It's just like turning off a faucet, stop mm -hmm. the energy mm -hmm. flow. And then I drop the energy connection. So wherever it's connected to their field, I drop it as if you're dropping a tennis ball. Mm -hmm. I imagine there's a little hand at the end of your streamer. So you're just dropping the connection. Then you withdraw it back to you. Mm -hmm. And then I like to take that energy that I brought back to me and, and I send it up to spirit to bless, purify, and heal it before I return it back to me. So mm -hmm. it's been cleansed on the mm -hmm. way back. And similarly, when I return their energy back to them, I send it to spirit to cleanse, purify, and bless it and send it back to them cleaned and improved. So mm -hmm. it's nice and clean. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I stop worrying about them. They're doing their thing. I'm doing mine and we'll, I'll, we'll connect again next time. Mm -hmm. And I think that's an important skill to learn, as, especially as a sensitive with yeah. it, not just healer, not just clients, but anybody. Mm -hmm. I, I, I discovered once I started, actually, even before I went on the healing path, I remember in my, in my 20s, even um, noticing an odd phenomenon. And what that was when I would go to the movies I would, at the end of the movie, I'd come out and go to the ladies room and, you know, wash my hands and that sort of thing. And as I was looking in the mirror, I'd be shocked to see my own face looking back at me because I had merged with the big right. screen characters. Right. Right? And that's right. who I expected to see looking back to me. And it was so weird. And wow. that's, that's when I discovered that, that I had this pattern of merging and it, mm. it Later at the Barbara Brennan School, I learned that that is a, a, an infantile pattern. It's a pattern from infancy, okay. uh, very young age. It's the, during breastfeeding that the child is merging with the mother through the gaze. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You mentioned the gaze. Yeah. So you're connecting to the person's essence through the through the eyes. 
And that's a natural thing that's supposed to happen in mm -hmm. infantile development is that the mother returns the gaze. And it's like an acknowledgement, soul to soul, I see you and I love you. Mm -hmm. And um, and that's an essential part of what we're supposed to receive as infants, not just milk, but mm -hmm. that maternal gaze. Mm -hmm. and, and so if the mother's not there, if she's present, but not there, mm -hmm. you're gazing into her, but she's thinking of something else or whatever, you're still looking for that. Mm -hmm. And so if that doesn't get properly resolved, then it becomes a habit, unconscious habit of seeking for that recognition in mm -hmm. others. And you, it's not conscious at all. It's right. underground. Uh, and I realize, so that's what's responsible for that emerging pattern. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's ancient. It goes way back to, you know, that young. And uh, it goes immediately to the unconscious because you're not really capable of rational thought at that age. Right, right. And um, and so, you know, it comes in handy if you're a healer and you want to know what's going on in your client and that sort of thing. Yeah. You know, it's a way of of being able to understand what they're going through, but you can't carry that with you. Right. And um, and I've tried to I've tried to, um, you know, reduce that pattern. But I get that I'm not meant to. In fact, my soul chose that experience mm -hmm. so that I would have that skill. So it's, uh, but it was a curse for a long, long time. Yeah. Until I learned how to how to work with it and to learn how to unmerge. That was the key. Yeah. Learning it, you don't have to stay merged. You can unmerge. Mm -hmm. And so perhaps in the case of this person, that's something that's worth practicing. Is and it's not about cutting cords. I know a lot of people teach about cutting cords in relationship. Okay. At the Barbara Brennan School, we don't learn that. Okay. We learn about healing cords. Cords are natural, mm -hmm. but but they get distorted, and a lot of distorted energy gloms onto them, right? Uh, you know, hidden hidden agendas and mm -hmm. um, power issues and that sort of thing, and they show up in the field. Yeah. And um, so, for example, somebody might love you, but there's also a manipulative element mm -hmm. to the relationship, and that shows up like a little vine curving around the love cord the mm -hmm, love cord's mm -hmm. valid but there's this little manipulation this control current mm -hmm. they want you to be a certain way so they can love you kind of thing mm -hmm. and um and we we feel it but we can't name it because nobody will right. admit to it right so part of the work if you're healing a relationship with somebody who does that is, as a healer is to unwind that and often it's going often it's going into through the chakra into your own essence. So there's in some way they're uh, trying to find themselves through you. Mm -hmm. And uh, and what they really need is to connect to their own essence. Mm -hmm. And so the work is unwinding it from your essence through your chakra. And it, it does some damage to the chakra as it goes through it. And then and then back to the uh, to the original owner and, and plug it into their core essence. And there's usually an explosion of light and then suddenly whoa i didn't know i had that in me mm -hmm. and so it shifts the relationship mm -hmm. and then then we repair the the chakra on the other side and then now we we just clear the gunk and the distortion from the field and now they can have a normal healthy relationship mm -hmm. through the cords they don't have to cut them we right. just need to clear the gunk and and mm -hmm. we're we're meant to be connected especially right. with those we have uh long you know major relationships with mm -hmm. and ideally we want our our cords to be healed we can disconnect them and we do that but we don't cut them 
we disconnect okay. them. We just basically unhook them from your field and then put mm -hmm. it either at the edge of their own field on the inside or in somewhere in midair between you. And same thing with yours. And then it's between, we take your cord out of them and we put it to the edge of your field. Okay. So you're not connected anymore, but you can choose at any time to reconnect. Okay. So it's not a violent thing like cutting it. That's mm -hmm. it. You're gone. Mm -hmm. uh, and I personally like that better. It's, it's, that, makes, uh, yeah, that actually feels nicer. Yeah. I don't yeah. wish ill on anyone. No, no. Um, and nobody knows what they're doing. And most people right. are totally unaware of what they're doing energetically. Yeah. It's fascinating. Like I've, I've noticed, like I spent, <laughs> I actually prefer being alone <laughs> most of the time. And, and it's because I, I pick up on energy so much, like even a simple thing, like going to the grocery store, or getting gas or something like that. I can feel the energies and, yeah. you know, I, I act, I was gifted um, an awareness of activating my Merkaba um, in crowds before and then sending out a Toronto field of unconditional love. So that's what I do pretty yes. much every morning when I wake up and right before I go to bed, that's just a tool. Yes. So I can still love myself while I'm still sending love outside of me, but I'm not getting sucked into yeah. that dynamic. Do you have anything that you do that's similar to that? Yes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. We call it the bubble and uh and it's um basically you know your field can you you have control over your field you can expand it greater or smaller as you like and we do that unconsciously you know if we're in a in a bus or something and it's really crowded we we contract our field to our skin maybe mm -hmm. because it's just too intense to be overlapping fields with others mm -hmm. but um yeah, in my book, we, there's a, a section on how to create a safe bubble of safety around you, and yeah. basically, you're you're connecting in with um, with love. Mm -hmm. You're actually, and and the easiest way is to think of someone you love, or a pet, or or a spiritual teacher, somebody you deeply appreciate and love, and feel your love for them, mm. and that attunes you to the frequency of love. Mm -hmm. And then expand that frequency into your whole field. So you just allow that warm, lovely feeling of really appreciating this person into your whole field. And, and you just allow it to fill you up like a balloon. With mm -hmm. So you've got your whole field is now filled with this beautiful, loving energy. And what I like to do in the process is I like to nourish my cells with it as well. It's, it's absolutely, actually, it's your love. Mm -hmm. that you feel for this person so let it nourish you too mm -hmm. and so you take it in every cell so that you can be felt nourished by it mm -hmm. and and then you fill your field with with this love and you create kind of make the outside of the field kind of like teflon but you're still radiating the frequency of love yeah. so people yeah. are still feeling it and one of the things that we were taught is that our our energy fields are like tuning forks and that um you know, if you take two tuning forks that are machined to the note of C and you strike one, the other will start humming too. Mm -hmm. And so our fields are like that. So mm -hmm. if you're able to radiate love in within your field, you don't have to send it to anybody. You just hold it. Mm. Their fields will start, it's a high frequency love. So mm. their fields will start increasing in frequency quite unconsciously. And they'll start feeling a little bit gentler and kinder and uh, it's a wonderful thing to do in an argument. 
you don't have to yeah. say a word, right? Yep. They, they'll yep. be blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and, uh, and you just hold hold that that field with the loving mm -hmm. vibration, stay grounded and present with yourself and fill your field with that. It wasn't, doesn't hurt you, but slowly they, they run out of steam. Right. And then they then they start changing their minds, say, well, maybe I'm being a little extreme. Actually, you're not that bad. Right, right. <laughs> And then actually, I like you really, you know, I just had to get that off my chest, you know, and so yeah. and, and you've done and said nothing, you know, so right. often we're caught up in our givers to, to defend ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. And you don't have to, you don't have to. Yeah. And, and uh, so like you do do with your Merkaba, it's very similar. So you could take the, and, and what I recommend doing is practice it when you don't need it. Mm. So practice it in a safe place mm -hmm. when you're not surrounded by people because trying to right. learn it when you're in a crowd is a tr <laughs> right. tricky right. that's what i do so, when i wake up in the morning because i'm like in this nice peaceful state yeah like, perfect. okay this feels Absolutely. good yeah because yes. I, I i have had the experience of getting overwhelmed with the crowd energy before when i was younger before i had i mean this is very recent this is less this last year where i was sitting in a crowd in a in a theater watching Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe. And um, I had an experience. I was living in now, near Mount Shasta for three years and I moved up to Orcas wow. Island. And I didn't stop normal behavior for three years. Like I saw my friends, wow. we had dinner together, we hugged each other. Like, so I had a very different experience than a lot of the world. So I come into Orcas Island, which was very traumatized and I'm sitting in the theater and I'm feeling that because it's the first time they're all coming out of their shells and they're starting to test the waters of like what normal life was and I'm just filled with compassion mm -hmm. and I feel my heart just like looking at everybody I'm like oh my god I want to hug everybody but I know they're too scared and I'm so, so that's when I heard activate your Merkaba and send out a toronto field of love and then i was able to watch the play knowing that i was loving everyone and not taking in their energy beautiful beautiful yeah. and, and and they didn't feel that you were pushing on them either mm -hmm. so because it was just radiating yeah yeah you know, it's like the sun you can take it in or not right mm -hmm. and and so and, it, and most people like to take it in right it right feels good right and so is love feels good and so you were doing a real service yeah. in doing that. And, it felt and, really beautiful because like, because yeah. I wanted to love everyone, but I'm the newbie. And I had people like worried about shaking my hand. And I'm like, okay, I, I'm going to just connect with the land and the ocean and the animals and the trees. And that's my contribution. And then if I'm in a public atmosphere, I just do that because I don't need to interact with anyone. I can just be that presence. And that felt like the best thing I could do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you're protected anyway from with your, within your field too. And so, yeah, we don't need to amplify fear. Mm -hmm. You know, there's plenty, plenty of people doing that already. Yeah. We can, we can do the opposite and, mm -hmm. and, and it's, and it really does transmute fear. Love is yeah. so powerful and, and it, it trans transmutes fear into understanding and uh, forgiveness and 
that's so beautiful. I love, I love the, the, my healing practice. It's such sacred work, right? I love yeah. working with people on that, the level of the soul. It's, and it's not just about healing illness and that sort of thing. It's about helping them find themselves and, mm. and find the light, light within. And then what does their light want to do? You know, where does this, where do they want to take this in their life? They don't have to, to stick with things they don't love. Right. And, um, and, and that the soul is longing for that. And so I, I love being a bit of a midwife in that area as well. Right. It's, yeah. and, and I seem to attract more and more clients that are really less, although I have one client that had a serious accident that I, but it's turned into, it's turned into an awakening journey, uh, which serious accidents can do, yeah. right. When, it, when yeah. your life is seriously impacted by a, a traumatic injury, um, it causes a lot of soul searching mm -hmm. and that's you're in the perfect place to begin to grow and, and open up. So yeah. it's, I love it. It's such, I love being able to serve in that way. It's such sacred work and it's such a, a pleasure and a joy to witness the light in them and the, mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're beautiful souls, even if they don't see it yet. Uh, they, they start to after yep. a while. Yep. Yeah. I completely understand that. Um, you're reminding me, I taught adult education back in the 90s, and I remember one semester, there was this kid who was an amazing artist, but he drew nude portraits, and it was just kind of, it was very sexualized, and and so one day he's drawing, he's not paying attention, and all the students are like, I don't remember saying, but like, hey, she's coming, she's coming, and I'm like, Oh, you think I'm that person? Okay. So I walked <laughs> over during break and I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. I'm not really interested in the content, but you are really talented. And he'd always gotten in trouble for that. I saw, I felt and saw the switch. All of a sudden he became my best student because I acknowledged him. And that light spark, that's why I love teaching to see that spark because it means that the soul is engaged again. And that is like, it's such a joy to feel and experience that awareness of like, oh, wait, I'm more than what I thought I was. And wait a minute, this life experience is way more interesting than it was because somebody saw me. Yeah. And then, and, and then it's not, it's not like a cry out for help. It, mm -hmm. it becomes, what else can I do with this? Right. Right. What a, what a, what a gift you gave him. Oh, it was magical. And I, yeah. I just loved it. It's like, wow, I, I was able to gift him that. And, you know, I've had that with other um, experiences too, but that one just jumped out. Um, and it's just so beautiful when, when there's that awareness of like, oh, I'm not just a body. I'm actually a soul experiencing life through a body and we have so many gifts that we don't even know we have yet. Oh yeah. And to That's... uncover those is just, it's so magical. It is. And it's so exciting because the whole world's open up ahead of us a possibility and, and uh, you know, the, the purely materialistic focus is kind of limited Mm -hmm. And and a lot of people, because they don't know what else to do, they, they get sucked into addiction and, and shopaholism yeah. and all that because they keep being t sold on the idea that happiness is there and they keep being disappointed. 
Right. Uh, but eventually, I think the soul, it's just programmed to awaken. It's programmed to flower like any lovely flower, right, plant? Mm -hmm. It starts out as a as a stick in the ground with roots, and then eventually it wants to flower. And, mm -hmm. and I think we're like that, too. And, and uh, we're just biding our time until the conditions are right for us to actually, oh, yeah. And so when somebody shines the light on you, they're their sun of recognition, right? That's like the yeah. plant says, oh, yeah, sun, boy, mm -hmm. you know, how, how fast plants bloom. Oh, yeah. Warm, warm and sunny, right? Uh -huh. so, I, and I can just imagine for somebody who's a parent, you know, they have the opportunity to do that for their children. Mm -hmm. I mean, to be that sunshine and to really en enable them to thrive into their full expression. What a, what a gift. And, oh, yeah. And, and for the parents, I mean, what an initiation for them, right? Oh, my mm -hmm. gosh. Mm -hmm. And to see that being that came through you, that's completely separate from you, that you're a steward to and guidance. Um remember like that divine spark that's within us that's just magical yes it is so uh it's my favorite subject i love it <laughs> and i love hearing your your experiences and i would love to know more eventually about your your practice with animals i love animals so i'm, I'm curious about that it's pretty magical yeah, I'll just say that it's pretty magical. I, I'm like a kid in a candy shop when I when I get to like when I get the responses about what's changed. I'm like, oh, that came through. It's just it's just joyful. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's like my yeah. favorite. It's one of my favorite things to do on the planet is help the animals. So yeah, it's really oh, magical. Absolutely. absolutely. So I'm going to ask you one final question for now. Um, how do people find you? Oh, uh, best way to find me is on my website which is energyisreal.com, uh, one word. And, uh, and that's it, on the website. They can, um, they can find, there's a contact us uh, form that they can reach. They can also, there's my number as well if they want to book sessions. Um, and um, also I provide links to websites on energy research and Cool. Uh, science so i think so that's cool for some people and and for those who are interested in um getting on my newsletter i offer a free sample of the book so, so the first nice. chapter of the book is all nice. about the world world of human energy and it includes six exercises for people to oh develop. that's lovely i love yeah, that to develop their their energy awareness to play with it mm -hmm. and uh and there's also six uh, audio recordings available on the website to accompany oh, awesome. those lessons. So that's awesome. That's a little, a little offer. And uh, yeah. And I, I also do offer workshops and, and things like that. I also um, studied about the law of attraction and how that all ties in. And so that's my goal this coming year is to get, get more into offering more workshops because I really enjoy teaching. And so I understand that it's really yeah. magical. So the, the newsletter will give them, you know, I can give them heads ups when uh, when something like that's coming down the pipe and uh, beautiful sort of thing as I'd like to, I, it's not, it's right now it's very infrequent, the newsletter. So it's not like their mailbox is going to be flooded with emails from me. Um, but I, I would like to start sending like energy tips every week or couple of weeks or yeah. so. Yeah. But that's I'm not beautiful. organized yet to do that. But that's that's the plan. It's January. This January. You're that's good. This, yeah. This is that's right. That's the plan for this year is to do do that. But uh, I hope they'll forgive me. <laughs> but at least in the meantime, they can practice those exercises if they mm -hmm. want to. Mm -hmm. 
Well, Gail, it, it has truly been so delightful to have the connection with you, to learn from you, to expand my awareness in different ways. And you're such a delight. And I'm just so grateful to know you and that you're doing this magical work in the world. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Oh, you. and thank you for hosting and for this amazing podcast and, and for your warm welcome and your fascinating questions. It was a delight to connect with you as well. I love your energy too. So Thank thank you so you. much. Take care. You too. Can you help me redefine truth and preservation of our soul shine? I can feel it yours and mine. Close your eyes and witness it inside. In your bones, you will know. Trust and let go. And let it flow.